to come, if the Lord tarries the years to come, I want to declare that today is the church's finest hour, that we were made for this moment. And I watch a lot of people getting crazy and losing their minds and getting scared. And I want to tell you, we were made for this, that God has placed us on the earth for this moment because the end is near. The end is near. And it's a lot more near this weekend than it was last week. And it's not just because we have now gone through a week, but I don't know if you've watched the news, but the politics and the things that are going on with our relationship with Russia and now what the UN has done uh, in, in denouncing Israel and Jerusalem and all these different things, we are getting close to the end. And if you have any questions about the end times that you'd like to talk about over the next several weeks, I'm going to ask you just, the website will be on the screen. You can just send me an email, call the church office, somehow get in touch with me and ask your question because we want to answer your questions about the end times. And we're looking at the end times and I want you to get your Bibles out and turn to Matthew chapter 24. On the back of your bulletin, there's a blank uh, sheet of paper on the back of your bulletin. There's a pen right in front of you. I'm going to give you four things to write down today regarding the return of Jesus. But again, that's there for you to take notes. And last week we began this series and we looked at eternity. What happens after the end? What happens after all these end time prophecies? And we talked about eternity and being ready for the end. We talked about how Jesus' life and how the word of God is always future focused. It's what we call prophetic. It's always looking at what is coming. And God tells us in his word what he wants us to know. And so that's why we have so much about the end times. That's why the Bible says Jesus is coming back. It will happen. There are 8,500 verses about the return of Jesus. These are what we call prophetic verses. Now, some of these verses are actually about his first coming. So they're all about his coming. Some are about his first coming. And those who were about his first coming were extremely accurate. They told us everything we need to know about Jesus and how he was born and how he lived and how he died. And it, it told us the whole story. And all of the prophetic verses about Jesus' first coming were so accurate. But I wanted to let you know, out of those 8,500 verses, that there are so many more verses about his second coming. In fact, there's five times more verses about his second coming than about his first coming. And he wanted to let us know Jesus is coming back, that there is a second coming. Jesus himself said in John 14, I will return. Jesus' words, along with all these other prophetic verses, tell us that Jesus is coming back and that we can take it to the bank. We are studying this because it's important to understand. You may say, well, I believe Jesus is coming back. I just, I don't know that much about it. I don't know if I need to know that much about it. You do need to know as much as the word tells us about it so that we can be ready for it. And that's why we're taking these weeks to talk about the end time. So how will we know when it is the end. What are the signs of the times? And in today's passage, I want to look at what's going to take place from now up to the tribulation. From now up until the rapture. The tribulation 
It's a seven-year time period that we will talk about in the weeks to come, and the rapture is something we'll talk about in the weeks to come. But I want to talk about what's going to take place from now until then, what we might call the beginning of the end. What does the Bible tell us to watch out for? And we're going to look in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus talks a lot about his second coming throughout the Gospels, but he concentrates his teaching in what we call the Olivet Discourse. And it's called that because he preached it from the Mount of Olives. And when you look at Matthew 24 and 25, if you have your Bibles open and you have the words of Jesus in red, you'll notice that both of those chapters are entirely red. For two chapters, Jesus teaches us about the second coming. And we're going to begin in chapter 24 and look at all the things he tells us about prior to the tribulation. So we're going to begin at verse 3. Matthew chapter 24, beginning at verse 3. Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when all this will happen. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And if you hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested and persecuted and killed and you will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Jesus will pick up in the verses to follow about the time of tribulation, but let's look at what he says. What are the signals before that? What are gonna, what's going to happen to signal Jesus' return? And he begins with a lot of different negative things that are going to happen in our world. And as you read through it, if you have your Bibles, just keep them open and look at this, but there's going to be some things that happen. One is there's going to be tremendous religious deception. There's going to be this deception that Jesus isn't the only way, that there are other ways, and, and we're going to have this kind of dismissed, dismissed Christianity There'll be many that fall away during this time. He tells us about all these things that are going to happen. There are going to be natural disasters. There are going to be floods and earthquakes, things like hurricanes and tsunamis, and and these disasters will cause death. Jesus talks in other passages about economic strife that is coming, that that, that it will be hard to buy, to sell. It will be a difficult time economically for many people. There will be famines, it says. There'll be the lack of food. There'll be wars and rumors of wars. What we saw this week with Russia and Israel and different things, we know that that's definitely happening. There'll be terrorism. There'll be people coming against Israel. There'll be this worldwide chaos going on. And it will feel, Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, it will feel like the end of the world. Sometimes you ever have that sense when you're watching the news, like, I think this might be it. Jesus says that is a sign of the times when you have that feeling. Because you're watching all these negative things take place. 
And it seems like they're completely unrestrained now more than ever before. And so that's the negative side. But then he goes to the positive side. And he says, there will be this worldwide evangelism, this worldwide preaching of the good news of the kingdom. And every tribe and every tongue will hear about Jesus. We have family members, Leslie's sister and and brother-in-law, and I was talking to our brother-in-law, Steve, on the phone this week, and he's worked for Wycliffe Translators for I don't know how many decades now. In fact, he oversees most of the translation work around the world. And the goal of Wycliffe is to translate the Bible into every tribe and every tongue's language so that everyone, absolutely everyone, will have the Word of God. And this is a difficult thing to do because there are some tribes that are completely verbal. They don't even have a written language. They have to develop a language, teach the people to read, and then give them the Bible. I mean, that's how complicated the system is. And, and so I said, well, Steve, how close are you? I said, a few years back, we had a meeting, and we, we calculated all that needs to be done and, and everything that's going on in the world, because they pretty much know every tribe and tongue now. And it's like, it's going to take about 50 years to do that. A couple years later, they had another meeting, And they said, it's going so fast, it'll be about 25 years. They just had another meeting a couple years after that, and it's already down, like, it could be within the next few years. And what's happening, he says, and this was his exact words I wrote down from our comment. He says, Daryl, we're finishing the task. He said, and it's supernatural, too. He goes, we're seeing supernatural cooperation and partnerships like never before. He said, something's happening in the world where Christians are beginning to work together and we're going to see the Bible in every language. That's why as a church, we've been committed to missions from day one and we will always be committed to missions because Jesus says, we want everybody to know the good news. Revival is happening all over the world. You may not hear it uh, here in America and you may look at our our nation and go, man, this, this isn't going well, but I want to tell you, that there is revival happening all over the world, unprecedented revival. There's said to be more Christians in underground church on Sunday in China than there are U.S. citizens. That in, in Asia, in Africa, there are revivals happening where entire communities and people groups are coming to Jesus. There is a revival that is taking place all over the world. But there's also this intensified opposition, hatred, persecution of the church across the globe. Steve was telling me a little bit about that on the phone of not only do we see the supernatural uh, finishing of the task, we also see the supernatural on the other side, uh, enemy against the work as well, that there is this opposition that is growing. And Jesus says all of these are signs that the end is coming. All of these are signs that the rapture is coming, that the tribulation is coming. And Jesus calls them labor pains. These are the things that that are going to kind of wake you up and send you to the hospital. Has the baby arrived? Not yet, but it's on its way, and it's time to go. And these things are also good because they are the reminder that Jesus is coming back. Sometimes in our lives, we get comfortable, and life is good. And we seem like we're sailing along. And then all of a sudden, some tragic thing happens. And it's one of those wake-up calls. Yeah, this isn't my home. 
It's not all good yet. Jesus hasn't come back and made everything new. It's these tragic things that Jesus talks about. These things are going to happen to us, and they're just reminders. Yep, Jesus isn't back yet. The world hasn't been set right, and we need to get ready. Paul in 2 Timothy shares some more signs of this time. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, we'll begin at verse 1. Mark this, that there will be terrible times in these last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. When you look at that verse that's on the screen right now, I want you to look at those things and you can say, well, yeah, those things have always been around. Yes, they have always been around, part of our sinful nature, but they are unrestrained today. And Jesus is saying that these are the conditions that make it ripe for me to come back and you need to be ready. In fact, Jesus says in Mark chapter 13, 9, when these things begin to happen to you, watch out. Watch out. When you begin to see all of these things happen, watch out. And when he says watch out, he's talking about observing what's taking place, contemplating what's going on. And we do that so that we know that, oh yeah, this is the end times, so that we won't be fooled into panicking. Our world is in panic mode right now. It seems like people are losing their mind all around us, panicking about the future. And, and Jesus is saying, don't be fooled by it. These are the signs of the end. And don't go with the rest of the world losing your mind. Instead, get busy to the task. And what is the task? To make sure everybody hears the message of the good news. And not just on the other side of the world, but in your own neighborhood, that you will be actively with your purpose and your gifting sharing the good news. That when we are pressed, Jesus says, that's the time to rise up and do what I've asked you to do. And remember, and unfortunately I need to tell you this today, remember, as Jesus said, that all men will hate you because of me. We are not in a popularity contest. This is happening more and more. Jesus says that religious and political and even family persecution will occur against Christians, and we live in a nation that at one time had Christianity as the foundation, and we woke up one day, and now we're the enemy of the state. Something has happened. Something has switched. And Jesus says, this shouldn't surprise you. This is part of the end. And in fact, it shouldn't shock us, and we shouldn't panic. Instead, it should motivate us to be the light of the world that in the darkness we shine our light, and we pray that revival comes. We pray that the revivals we hear about on the other side of the world come to America. But if they don't, it doesn't mean we stop. We keep shining our light. Because he says, those who endure to the end will be saved. I am with those. I give them victory. I will be with them all the way until the end. And so what is this passage teaching us? Four things today. Four things quickly today that we learn. The first is this. Bad things are coming, but don't let them consume you. Bad things are coming, but don't let them consume you. Our focus needs to be on what Jesus is doing in and through us and in this world, not on how crazy our world is getting. And trust me, the world is going to get very scary as time goes on. 
But we don't want to focus on the bad so much that we stop doing the good, stop doing what God has called us to do. And so what do we do? How do we respond to this? Let me tell you what I told you last week. The number one command when it comes to the end times is pray. Pray. Jesus says, watch and pray. He says, watch out and pray. Prayer must become a part of our life in the days to come. If it's not already, it needs to become a part of it because Jesus says in John 15, I'm the vine, you are the branches. That when we are connected to Jesus, we have life. And when we're separated, there is death. We only have life when we are connected to him, when we are communing with God, living in union with Jesus. And don't trade that away for anything. Especially don't trade that away for fear. Follow him. Live in union with him. Bad things are coming, but don't let it consume you. Number two, people will hate you, but so what? Jesus loves you. This is really important. We need to expect opposition to the gospel. When we proclaim the truth, and, and, and Paul has to tell Timothy in a very difficult time, look, you've got to be ready to preach in season and out of season. He's saying in the good times and the bad times, you just, you just have to be ready. And when we live our life and we share the gospel, we need to realize that the master's love and approval is all we need. I don't need to be loved by this world. I'm loved by him. I'm approved by him. Jesus was a great example of this. Do you know that there are people that adored Jesus? They loved him. They wanted to make him king. And he didn't care. There were people that hated him and wanted to kill him. And he didn't care. Why? The only thing he cared about was what the father said. This is my son who I love and I'm well pleased. That's what Jesus lived for. Jesus said, I didn't do anything except what the father told me to do. I didn't say anything except what the father told me to say. That was the only approval he needed. And I want to tell you today, Jesus loves you. He smiles on you. You have his approval. You do not need this world's approval. Live for the approval of Jesus. And then his power, his presence will be there to rescue you in your life. Number three, there is an end to the madness, and it is Jesus. There's an end to the madness, and it is Jesus. The world will not go on forever and ever like it is. In fact, we look at the world and we say, man, how can it just keep going? It's getting worse and worse, and all these things are happening. How could that be? And God's not going to put up with it forever. He is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And in a few months, we'll be in Christmas time, and we'll be singing Christmas carols, and we will sing joy to the world. How many of you love joy to the world? There's just something about singing that. I love singing that song at Christmas time. That's, it's, it's one of my favorite Christmas carols. The problem is, it's not a Christmas carol. It's not about Christmas. It's about the second coming of Jesus. Let earth receive her king. That, that idea that Jesus is coming, joy to the world. And as we sing that this Christmas, just remember, our king is coming back. It's not going to be like this forever. Soon and very soon, we will see the king. Number four, focus on your calling, not on your circumstances. Focus on your calling, not your circumstances. 
we all have a science test. I talked about this, I talked about this last week, and I talked about how each of us have a purpose, and that we've each been gifted by God to do something for him. And we need to focus on those things, because a lot of times what happens, especially in the end times, and when difficult things are happening to us, we begin to focus on the problems. We begin to focus on our circumstances. We begin to focus on the things that, that we shouldn't be focused on. Or we get so scared, we start looking at, well, what's the, who's prophesied what date for Jesus to come back? And, oh, my goodness, what's happening? And we start fretting about all these things. And we need to focus on what Jesus asked us to do. We need to be living out our purpose and our call, no matter what, till the very end. Because Jesus created you for a purpose and for a reason. And there's a task that only you can do. And he's saying, finish the race. Keep going. Those that endure to the end will be saved. Keep going. Keep doing what I've asked you to do. Before we go today, I'm going to ask you to write down three words. And this is just our conclusion. But uh, they won't be on the screen. You're just going to have to write them down. And they come from Matthew 25. So if you have your Bibles open, just turn one page over to Matthew chapter 25. Because uh, when Jesus ends his end time teaching, he tells three stories in Matthew chapter 25 to prepare us for the end times. These are kind of the sermon illustrations, if you will, that Jesus used, and he is trying to get three points across. And so I'm going to give you three words from Matthew chapter 25. And I want us to be ready for Jesus' return. And so the first story begins in verse 1. Matthew 25, verse 1. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go and shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were away to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. It's the first story Jesus tells us, and the first word I want you to write down is the word ready. Ready. Are you ready for the return of the Lord? That's what Jesus wants to teach us. He wants to teach us you need to be ready. Our relationship with God is likened to a marriage relationship in the New Testament, and his return is likened to a marriage ceremony. And we all know what marriage ceremonies look like here in the United States, but what did they look like 2,000 years ago? Well, 2,000 years ago, there was no dating. There was nothing like that. You would just arrange the marriage, and, and, and the, the groom would work something out, and then the groom would go back to his homestead, where his father was, and he would say, okay, I'm getting married, Let's, we need to build a house, we need to build a room, we need to design this, and, and so they would begin to build, and, and when that building was finished, that's when the wedding would happen, but nobody knew when the, the, the building would be done, and in fact, the groom didn't even know when it was done, because the groom didn't get to say when it was done. It's when the father said, yes, son, the, the room is ready, go get your bride. 
And what Jesus, and that just explains everything, doesn't it? Jesus tells you and me in the Gospel of John, at the end of his life, he says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And I don't know when I'm coming back, but the Father does. And when he says, I'm going to come and get my bride. And so when we see this picture here, we see that Jesus has gone away to prepare a place for us. And there will be a day when he comes back and he says, are you going to be ready? Because it's probably going to be when you least expect it. It's going to happen in a flash and, and we need to be ready. Another story in the life of Jesus about a wedding comes in Matthew chapter 22 Beginning of verse 11, it says, But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When I was a little boy and heard this story, I always hated this story, and I thought, Jesus was so mean. You know, why would you, I mean, maybe he didn't have any nice clothes or maybe he was poor and couldn't afford any clothes. Why would, the, it's later on when I went to seminary and I learned about wedding customs back then that it all made sense. Back then they didn't send wedding invitations. Now we would get a wedding invitation in the mail telling us about the celebration of, of, a, of, a, of a wedding. And back then the wedding invitation was actually a garment that was brought to your house, a garment for you and your family to wear to the wedding, that you would come to the wedding when the bridegroom returned and you would wear those clothes and you would celebrate for a week, a big party to celebrate these new lives that are being joined together. And this guy decides to show up without the robe that was given to him. Let me tell you, there's going to be a lot of people that think I'm good enough and one day when I see God, he's just going to wink and say, hey, it's all right, don't worry about it. And we need to come clothed in Jesus' righteousness. We need to have that relationship with him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is sin that separates us from God. And Jesus died on a cross for our sins. And you don't get to show up any other way than through what Jesus did for you on the cross. And that's available to everyone. Everyone can have it. But too many people want to show up to God on their own terms. And you don't get to show up on your own terms. So the question today is, Jesus asks, is, are you ready? The second story is a familiar story. It's the story of the master and the servants. And the master goes away and he gives talents. He gives treasures to three of his servants Two of them take those and they expand them and they double them. And when the master returns, they give it back to the master. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. But there's one servant that digs a hole and buries it in the ground. And when the master comes back, he, he chides him and sends him away, just as they were sent away from this wedding thing. Why? Because that person wasn't faithful. That's the second word to write down, faithful. Faithful. God is asking you, are you faithful with what I've given you? Are you faithful with what I've given you? Are you ready? Are you being faithful? And number three, the third word I want you to write down is active. Active. There's a final story. It's the story of the sheep and the goats. And instead of me reading it or telling you this story, I'm actually going to play a song for you. It's by Keith Green. Um, Keith Green, I was a prophetic voice in Christian music, and he died way too young in the 1980s. 
But I'm going to play this song for you, and I'd like you just to close your eyes and meditate, and then we're going to pray before we go. But are we ready? Are we faithful? And through this song and the teaching of Jesus, as in Matthew 25, are we active? Son of Man comes, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit on his glorious throne, and he shall divide the nations before him, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he shall put the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. And he shall say to the sheep, Come ye, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I was sick, and I was in prison, and you came to me. Thank you. Enter into your rest. Yes, they shall answer him, and they'll say, Lord, when? When were you hungry, Lord, and we gave you something to eat? Lord, when were you thirsty? Can't remember. And we gave you drink. Huh. When were you naked, Lord, and we clothed you? Or Lord, when were you a stranger and we invited you in? I mean, we invited lots of people in. But Lord, I'd never forget that face. Or Lord, when were you sick and we visited you? Or in prison and we came to you? Lord, tell us. Inasmuch as you've done it to the least of my brethren, You've done it unto me, oh yes. Inasmuch as you've done it to the very least of my brethren, oh, you've done it, you've done it unto me. Enter into your rest. Then he shall turn to those on his left, the goats.
to part from me, you cursed ones, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was naked, out in the cold, in exposure, and you sent me away. I was a stranger, and I knocked at your door. But you didn't open, you told me to go away. some mistake. When? Lord, uh, when? I mean, when were you hungry, Lord? And we didn't give you something to eat. I mean, Lord, when were you thirsty and we didn't give you a drink? I mean, that's not fair. Well, would you like something now? One of the angels want to go out and get the Lord a hamburger and a Coke, yeah. Oh, you're not hungry. Uh, yeah, I, I lost my appetite, too. Uh, Lord, uh, Lord, when were you naked? I mean, that's not fair either, Lord. We didn't even know what size you wear. Well, well Lord, what, when were you a stranger, Lord? You weren't one of those creepy people that used to come to the door, were you? Oh, Lord, that wasn't our ministry, Lord. I, we just didn't feel led, you know? But Lord, uh, Lord, when were you sick? What did you have anyway? Well, at least it wasn't fatal. Oh, it was? Oh, I'm sorry, Lord, I would have sent you a card. Lord, uh, just one last thing we want to know. Uh, when were you in prison, Lord? anyway. I had a friend in Leavenworth. Enough! Inasmuch as you've not done it to the least of my brethren, you've not done it unto me. Inasmuch as you've not done it to the least of my brethren, you've not done it unto me, depart from me. And these shall go away into everlasting fire, but the righteous into eternal life. And my friends, the only difference between the sheep and the goats according to the scripture is what they did 
and didn't do. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? Powerful words from Jesus. Are we ready? Are we faithful? Are we active? Are we doing what he's asked us to do? We need to be ready before the rapture, before the tribulation, before his return. He's saying right now is the day to be ready. Right now is the day to be faithful. Now now is the day to be active. Don't put it off. Be ready today. Be faithful today. Be active today. It all begins. It all begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It all begins at the cross. That We don't show up to God in our own goodness. but We show up robed with the righteousness of Christ. That he died on a cross for our sins. That we are forgiven of our sins. That we're ready for his return. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I'm going to ask everyone to pray this so that we can prepare our hearts and be ready for his return. And then allow me to pray for you before we go this morning. But first, would everyone repeat this prayer after me, especially if you want to say, yes, I want to be ready for his return. Repeat these words, dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for you this morning. God, thank you for...